The New Age Christianity Podcast is brought to you by... Hello, New Age Christian family. This is Austin Fletcher. You're listening to the New Age Christian Podcast, and this is episode 88. Today, Kat and I do our post-ayahuasca interviews with each other. Last week, we uh, talked about what our expectations were, what our thoughts were about ayahuasca and why we were doing it. And on the back end of it, I can honestly say that we had quite a few misconceptions And we try to clear those up in this episode, as well as sharing some of our personal stories, our insights, and um, the things we loved about the adventure, the process, the experience. I will say it was a wonderful experience, not nearly as challenging or negative as I thought it might be with uh, the threats of uh, stories of purging and the difficulties of stuff that you run into in the process. I loved it. Kat loved it. And uh, hopefully you will uh, learn from it and maybe be inspired to try ayahuasca yourself. Well, here we are for our post-ayahuasca experience interview part two, we should say. And uh, Kat is with me in the studio again. Say hello, Kat. Hi, everybody. And uh, we are here to download you with our newfound wokeness. Download you. (laughs) (laughs) Plug into the Matrix. Sounds a little aggressive, but that's fine. Yeah, well. We're going to download you. We learned what the Matrix is. Matrix is, so... It's true. I think that's a secret, though. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> they should figure. They should go themselves. <laughs> I experience it. Agree. So, for the record, we are alive and safe, and we believe we are sane. I think I've had my moments. No, yeah. I'm, I'm good. You've had your moments. No, I did. I had to go to home from work. <laughs> I had to go home from work on the Monday following when we got back. I was like, oh, I'm not, I'm not ready yet. So, but we'll get into that. So. Well. I I don't know, right out of the gate, just say I loved it mm-hmm. and an absolutely life-changing experience. Um, it's really easy, like when you do things like this, you kind of have this hope, like I hope it'll be X, Y, Z. And how often is it like, well, it was close, but it wasn't that, like this is everything that I hoped it would be. I definitely have like a fanciful mind where I'm like, it's going to be so amazing. And so whatever. And I always get my hopes way up because I imagine life a little bit greater than it is usually. And so I definitely, I tried to keep my expectations kind of neutral. Like I have no idea what's going to happen. I know that people don't come out of this the same way that they go in. I can't really fathom. I don't really have a grid for how, like what happens to cause that? What would happen to me to cause that? Do I want to be different? And so I was, Maybe a little bit more chill with this, trying to keep my expectations lower, but they were blown out of the water. Even the two high expectations that I had were just not even close to reaching how incredible it was. Yeah, I would agree. So, and we had very different experiences, very different experiences. So um, there's a lot to get through. I feel like the best place to start is, so anybody who's listening to this, they could be listening to this right after just finishing the previous episode where we share our thoughts about doing ayahuasca without having done it. I believe I had some misconceptions and I think I shared a lot of those thoughts in the previous episode. So right out of the gate, maybe kind of correcting any misconceptions before we get into our personal experiences. I know the the biggest misconception I had all the way up until, I mean, to be honest, even Uh, Linnell, the lady who was facilitating the sessions, even with all the prep work and sitting down and doing the, you know, going over some ground rules and going over what's going to happen and everything like that, uh, all the way up until actually being in it, I had this conception that when you take ayahuasca, there's going to be quite a bit of, you're going to go on a trip and you're going to just be a passenger and you're going to be essentially almost this this kind of this weird idea of like i guess i'll just be paralyzed for <laughs> and not have any 
control or any any say. I'm just going to follow the leader. And That's one of the main reasons I've never done any type of mind-altering substances, because I don't like feeling out of control. I'm, I definitely guard my subconscious mind as a sacred thing that I don't want things tinkering or monkeying with without me being able to stop it. And so this definitely took a lot of faith and courage to do but again we talked about in our first episode that we felt led to do it like we felt spirit leading to do this yes particular thing so i I would still feel safer i would still keep that caveat like for anybody even though it's way way less crazy than we we kind of originally thought it might be but also way more crazy (laughs) right i would still say like if don't do it if you don't feel led to do it for sure. Like don't do anything unless you feel led to do it. Yeah, that's a whole That's Well, that's... I don't feel led to... Go golfing. I do feel led to go golfing. Which we, which we will be. But um, the idea of like feeling led to do something like this is still very much a caveat for me if I ever do it again. And I would like to. But mm-hmm. I'm not going to do it just because oh, I, want, I want to go... Have, you can become an experience junkie, right? You can become a spiritual, you know, I need that mountaintop experience for me to feel spiritual, for me to feel like I'm progressing in my life. And I think there are people that absolutely connect to things like this because normal life is not good enough. I touched that, actually, the first couple of days back. I was like, eh. Like, I even talked to, I think it was my brother. I was, somebody I was talking to, like... They oh it might have been you, the um because it was on the phone. The when the movie Avatar came out, there was like these people. There was like a group, a large group of people, that got super depressed that the world that we live in wasn't as beautiful as is it Pandora I think is this because yeah. it was such as a beautiful fanciful world that we were shown in this movie. And people got, like, clinically depressed that the world was not that pretty. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, the luminescence and all that stuff from the movie that when you go out into our nature, it's not... Our nature doesn't glow. <laughs> <laughs> but it, These it, are the same people that probably never go out into our nature, though. That's all It could be. It could be. I'm, it could know. be virtual but, livers anyway. But yeah. that aside, that type of thing, I was feeling it. I'm like, oh, my gosh. As happy as I am, like... The experience that I had with ayahuasca was so overwhelmingly beautiful that it definitely has kind of <laughs> given this like gray overtone to like the world that we're living, especially with like pandemic and all of the other stuff that's going on. I'm sure. like, oh, it was so nice. <laughs> I kind of just want to go back. I'm like, yeah, that's not that's not a healthy mindset to stay in for very long. So I'm good now, but I definitely want to do it again. And probably because that mindset creeped in, I would wait until I felt led to do it. I don't know that I would be that type of person, but... Going back to the control thing, the ability to uh, stay engaged and very much participate in what you experience was surprising for me. Again, I had this conception that it was like, I'm going to go take a trip and I'm going to be a passenger. And that wasn't the case at all, at least not for me. And I don't think, I mean, we talked to everybody who was there. There was 11 people there. No, nine people uh, plus the facilitators, so yeah, eleven people there, and everyone expressed their own version of you know this this conversation, this process, and uh, none of it was. I took the tea and I was dragged down the hall <laughs> to this terrible experience that I had no ability to engage with whatsoever. Like it, it's not this forceful. You're not being tormented for six and a half hours. Well, some people are, but... That's another thing is, ayahuasca has a reputation for... You have the purging, right? Yeah. You have throwing up or diarrhea or both or other stuff. And um, my experience, I didn't purge at all. (laughs) I didn't even get nauseous maybe a couple times. And I learned the only times I got nauseous was when I was resisting what I was being shown. I wonder if that's where the purge... Comes well, from. And that's where I'm getting, I, oh, and we'll get to the philo- philosophical ahead. side of it towards the end of the episode, but I do believe, now that I've experienced it, that a lot of that reputation for purging comes from the fact that ayahuasca also has a reputation for helping people with depression, 
suicide, anxiety, and everything like that. It's because that's what they're purging out. Mm. Like when you energetically mm-hmm. hold that stuff, like ayahuasca helps you purge it literally out of your body. And our facilitator talked about when she was dealing with jealousy uh, a few years ago, when she would throw up, she would picture purging jealousy. And she literally said she felt it come from her heels. Like tear away. And tear away from her body. And when she threw up, she hadn't eaten anything. And when she threw up, it was like black tar, she said. Mm -hmm. And so it's literally that idea. And so I now would suspect that the reputation for purging and throwing up and diary and all that goes hand in hand with a lot of people go to ayahuasca to deal with a lot of shit. Literal, and, literally. And it turns literal, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and so the purging may be directly correspondent to what you're bringing to the table well, as and, far as plus, ener- oh, energy, the energetic challenges you're bringing. Yeah, and we know how like ailments and stuff will take root in the physical body and so it would make sense that there's a physical reaction to getting rid of um, things like depression anxiety I definitely see how this helps with those things for sure it quiets the mind I find I found myself being fully aware of three different levels of experience one was my thoughts and so in some ways the mind was super loud and it was very forward it was but it was so clear And at the same time, I was also fully aware of everything that was going on in the room. There was loud music in our ceremonies. They played some really cool music, some artists and stuff that we'd never heard that I absolutely love. We've been listening to a lot since then. It was a beautifully, uh, almost choreographed uh, experience in that way. She was the best DJ ever. Like every song that she played, you can tell that she has like an intuitive, almost like a musically prophetic gift of Mm -hmm. knowing what the group needs message-wise or energy-wise in the music because every song that came on was exactly like the perfect soundtrack background to whatever I was going through um, or digging into in the moment. It was, that was so cool. I meant to tell her that. (laughs) Yeah. And I asked her, I said, so what do you pick your music intuitively? She said, absolutely. She said, Mm -hmm. you know, one, there is kind of, you know, you could tell that there is a, a, pattern you know when everyone takes the first drink which you know mechanic i think we talked about in the first episode and it was like you take the tea you drink it, it they do it in like a shot form mm-hmm. and then the goal was for everyone to get three shots um over the course of a couple hours mm-hmm. and then depending on how you're dealing with the medicine she will either back it off or increase it from there. Mm-hmm. Like I got four both nights and the second night she had two levels of strength. She had the regular and then she had Black Panther, which the regular was <laughs> The my... Black Panther name makes it sound like a hardcore drug though. Like, right? Ooh, Black Panther. <laughs> <laughs> the regular is made from vines that are 35 to 40 years old mm-hmm. and the Black Panther is made from vines that are over 65 years old. Right. And so it's a much older vine and apparently a much stronger medicine, which I would agree. I ended up doing the second night. She gave me a full shot of the Black Panther as my second shot. Your second one? Mm-hmm. And it definitely drives deep. I didn't, like, I had Black Panther both nights, apparently. I didn't know I had it the first night. But, like, the first two shots, I didn't feel anything. I just sat there watching everybody on their little trips and stuff. Like, you guys look super silly. (laughs) (laughs) I think I was probably the silliest there. Like, after a while, after mine finally kicked in, I was like, oh, I'm super silly. But uh, I did have Black Panther in my third shot, and um, that's when it starts kicking in. So I don't know. Like, the regular ayahuasca didn't really have any effect on me, and it wasn't until I would take the Black Panther that it would start kicking in at all, and then it was super crazy. So, and it does go by like our we're both fairly bulky people like we're not slight like our friend that we went with and a couple of the people they're like smaller framed and so their shots are a lot less there's like maybe a tablespoon in there right and like she filled up your glass <laughs> top <laughs> mine was three quarters full and so she definitely like it's so many people like when you tell I guess we'll call them muggles. When you tell (laughs) muggles about this and they're trying to like, oh, you're just going to go do hard drugs for the weekend. 
Right. It's definitely a beautifully intentional ceremony. She's highly trained. She's been doing this for years and years and years. And so she can gauge how much you need and what kind and how many cups you should do by looking at you. Um, there was that. Was well, that she called? also asks you. She doesn't just like assume. Like for me, she was like, so how are you feeling? Do you want more? Do you want like. Yeah, she did. it. She's like, are you feeling the medicine? I'm like, not really. <laughs> you know. So it's a conversation. She does gauge like. Well, I know, you know the first cup, though. She. Yeah, that one. I mean, especially the very first first one. Yeah. Like you have no no clue what to expect. So, um, but uh, like Kaylee, who's been on the podcast, gets very little. Mm-hmm. Like she'll do half cups, and like two cups in, she's Woo. there. Mm-hmm. But for me, the the opening up of that mind, being aware of the thoughts, aware of what's going on in the room, of uh, and aware of fully aware of what you're feeling emotively and everything like that. And your body, like, I, for me, it found that what ayahuasca did was not take me on a journey so much as quiet down the monkey mind. Yeah. And allow what is in there to come forward. Right? A lot of the stuff that we carry, a lot of the work that we've done... A lot of the subconscious things that you suppress or the stuff that you wish you could deal with, but you just don't really know. Like, I know I have daddy issues. I just don't know how to deal with them. Well, a lot of it's because your mind has just been so habitually trained to keep that stuff shut up and shut away and quiet. And this allows those things to come forward. So it isn't, I would say it's it's not so much a an introduction of something outside of you as much as it is a the assistance of the medicine Mm -hmm. to allow what is inside of you the things that you've suppressed the quiet things the things in the background it allows it to come forward and become prominent in your mind so the mind's very busy but in a different way than your normal waking right like my mind is always busy but it's always garbage like it's always just stupid stuff cycling through and it's it feels almost like during ayahuasca it feels almost like you are able to think with your subconscious mind. Yes. So your conscious mind is kind of what I would consider the monkey brain, where you're like, oh, look at that over there. And what that's, what's that person doing? And what, Or like all of the doubts and all of the like, oh, well, I'm just, you know, whatever. All of that is quieted, like you're saying. And it almost feels like you can be in touch with either your subconscious self or your higher self. Mm-hmm. It feels more like that conversation between subconscious and higher self. And you can kind of get rid of all of the the um, domestication and all of the training and all of the layers and filters and crap that we have in our conscious waking mind is quieted for sure because there's like everything is very clear but there's only one layer where you with your conscious mind when you're awake there's so many layers of stuff going on and it's it's definitely very quiet Hmm. but very yeah very clear and I don't I didn't feel yeah (laughs) another misconception I had was the taste of the tea. Like everyone says, oh, it's so terrible. It's the worst thing ever, blah, blah, blah. And like I didn't find it to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, it wasn't. didn't taste great. No. But it wasn't like this prohibitive. And they say taste. that it gets worse every time you drink it. Like throughout the night, it gets worse and worse. And I, I do wonder how much of it is what you're bringing. Yeah. Like, yeah, the resistance. That or. or and, and I'm not trying to be like all haughty and well, we shitty are about super it. Super woke, and we have well, no we, problems, well, so our experience was great. We have done so so much work, <laughs> so much conscious work to get to where we are, in a, in a whole state, I guess. That we, I, and I'm not saying that we don't have baggage. We absolutely do. That's one of the main reasons I was excited to go. Is like if I have work to do, I'm going to do the work. But if it's a blind spot or something I'm unaware of, I can't work on it. And so that was my main intention going in. Like, okay, so if I have a blind spot that's holding back my personal growth, like, will you help me become aware of it? And so we don't have relatively, again, not trying to be shitty or holier than thou, but like we don't have as much baggage as some people that are going into this that are dealing with really dark stuff and traumas and suicidal thoughts and addiction and stuff like that that people turn to this medicine for we are doing it as a digging deeper spiritually so we have done a lot of that work and we have removed a lot of that um traumatic stuff so i don't know like maybe the tea taste is 
has something to do with that? I don't know. Like I didn't, it's just kind of like that weirdness of licorice. It's not pleasant, but it's not like. Yeah, it had kind of a, a lot of dirt taste to it as well. Like, like dirty like, licorice. Yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what it was. It's a mild misconception, but it was certainly, you know, I think a lot of people, uh, it's one of the guys I work with, he's like, man, I, I just can't swallow stuff that tastes terrible. But, you know, like, And I think he's probably like more scared to deal with his shit than he is to drink nasty tea. But that's the excuse he gives. I could never do ayahuasca. Taste terrible. I'm sure it tastes terrible. I'm like, that's really silly. Actually. Okay. Right. I am judging him a little bit. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> that's right. He's worth being judged. It's fine. Oh, jeez. Uh, no, it's so. Uh, two other misconceptions I have written down in my notes. Mm. One was we talked in the beginning, and we got it from the video, the spirit science video on ayahuasca, um, where they go to Rhythmia, and they talk about five levels of experience. Mm-hmm. And I think we briefly kind of went over them in the previous episode. And while there are, I would say there's different types of experience, I definitely, on the back end of ayahuasca, realizing, like, labeling them as levels is super shallow. It is super shallow, which is funny to have something so shallow in such a spiritually deep work. But for sure, for sure. And I went it. okay, yeah, that's a whole other thing. Go ahead. <laughs> so, no, you can just well, flow. My experience the first night with the blind spot, like if I have blind spots that are holding me back from becoming whatever, more of myself or whatever, then let me know. And so I'm waiting for my ayahuasca to kick in. I'm remembering our conversation about the different levels and I'm like, I'm going to do ayahuasca the best. I'm like, level five. I'm like, what does that even mean? We stop and like, I'm going to purge the best. I'm like, I think you have a problem. I think we've discovered your blind spot. <laughs> right. And it was. But yeah, I'm like, what does that even mean? Like, do ayahuasca the best? And it was. Like, I'm just going to like be super stoic and just lay there because I'm so zen and woke. Oh, wow. I was wrong. I mean, I did. <laughs> I know you did. So clearly I, I was the best. I know. Well, <laughs> I still hold that I did it the best. I gold starred myself at the end of it. Are we ready to go into personal experience? Did you want to go more on well, that? Well, just that five levels of experience, just to say, like, being that it, the fact that it is shallow is not it's not a commentary on the spirit science guys and their video. It's not a commentary on the, in some ways, the reality of the experiences being deeper. But I would couple it with some of the other, the major realization we've already discussed is, like, when you come with a lot of crap to deal with, it's hard to go deeper. It's hard to go to the deeper, deeper, deeper things because at the front of your mind is, if this doesn't work, I'm going to kill myself. Or if this doesn't work, I'm going to go back and do drugs because this is, you know, it's the only way to quiet the mind. When that is the front of your mind, when that is so prevalent on your mind, of course you're not going to be able to deal with these other philosophical questions about the origins of the universe. You don't give a shit, right? So I think the levels of experience while in some ways it's there, to label them as levels and like, oh, well, those are spiritual. This is the most sought after. Yeah, this is shallow and this is deep. That kind of quantification is where I'm just like, look, yes, there's different types of experiences and they do correspond to what you have to deal with. But labeling them as like, you're woke and you're not woke and there's like a scale. It is, and that was one the one that I dealt with, was sitting into the observer position and staying in the observer seat of the mind for six hours without moving and watching and realizing like, cause I went to let go of my past and let go of all sorts of uh, anything I needed to that I hadn't been able to deal with. And the lesson was very simple. Yes, Austin, it happened. Congratulations. Stuff happens. <laughs> and there was this like, oh, and it was oh. the super simple, shallow yeah. answer. My answer was super shallow, yet super deep, yet, like, I had no resistance to that answer. I had no purging. I mean, like, how do you quantify that as, like, well, my experience was better than yours? And that's well, and where that's I the realized thing too, it's so is, It is. And it, and it breathes a lot of condemnation. Like, this work is to get what you need. And so it's really, it would breed a lot of like self-condemnation in it. Like, oh, I have like the most basic experience. Like, that's what you needed. It doesn't, I don't know. I feel like that just 
opens the door to a whole bunch of negative feelings that are not supposed to be right in work like this like it's supposed to, you're supposed to help you <laughs> in spiritual stuff and in in all things like humans this idea of like the the comparison right yeah. i need to compare my experience to yours i need to quantify it and it is the i am i am not like we can only know what our experience is if there's something that's not that and so if everyone did ayahuasca and everyone had the same exact experience verbatim, you could just write a book about it and, no, and a lot of people wouldn't have to do it. You could just, well, here's what it is. Yeah. So the fact that there's variance is what makes it beautiful. But then humans, we turn around and we start to, well, was mine better than yours? Was it worse than yours? Was, am, I, am I further along in my journey than you? Like, stop it. Just stop. I do remember, like, I'm just deep into this. I, I, thought, I don't think we're supposed to call it a trip, but... We didn't get, we weren't ever told a different word. So it was like deep in my experience or meditation, whatever. And I'm like, so out of it, like, quote unquote, out of it, like, again, together, but physically out of it. I don't know. And I would like check over across the way because like the men were on one side of the room, the women on the other side to kind of keep the those energies separate. Male and female energy. Yeah. Which was Legit. palpable when you crossed that line. Was it? Yeah. I never crossed the line. What were you doing? To go get the drinks. It was in the middle. Oh. Well, anyway. So I would... <laughs> I'd be, like, thrashing around and doing my thing, and I'd, like, look up over the way to check on Austin what he was doing, and he's just on his air mattress with his blanket tucked up under his chin with his little smile on and a sleep mask, and he's just... He didn't move the entire night. And I'm, like, wiggling like a, a butter pillar, pretty yeah. much. So yeah. it is butter pillar, by the way. Yes. And he was just always, like, this very still anchor point in the room for everybody like everyone's having these crazy experiences and they do like they'll come out of it a little bit and to kind of survey their surroundings and there's austin <laughs> <laughs> and i was i remember being like super deep into it and just it's such an interesting experience we'll get into that but like and just like of course of course that's how austin fletcher would do <laughs> ayahuasca <laughs> It was great. Uh, when Linnell was going through some of the different expectations people can go in, she talked about how one of the ways to go really deep is she had a name for it. I should text her and get the name for it because I keep telling people this story and I don't remember the name of it. Certain type of meditation where you don't move. And she mentioned it a couple times. And every time she mentioned it, it kind of was like, huh, I think I might want to try that. Yeah. And I dig through, you know, because I know... I've talked to Kaylee a lot, and she moves like crazy. And I look, you know, am I just trying to be better than everyone else? Am I just trying to, oh, that's, do it that's the deep meditation, yeah. so Austin's going to do that. And I thought, you know what, I'm just going to let it go and just kind of let it flow. And I sat down on my air mattress and laid down. I thought, okay, well, I'm going to just find a comfortable position and just wait to see Not what happens. for six hours. Well, and, and what ended up happening was... After the third drink, because I didn't really, what else are you going to do? Like, for me, I wasn't like, okay, now I'm going to sit down and wiggle. Like, so I was just waiting, just kind of sitting in that, okay, let's just see what happens. And listening to the music and noticing my body and what's going on. And I did this both nights. It's not like I sat down intentionally saying, I'm not going to move. Right. Just what happened is my mind would get so preoccupied with what was going on. Three hours later, I realized... I don't feel my body. And then the moment I would move, I would feel that part of my body. So if I went to move my hand, I could feel my hand again. But I realized that I, I was having that kind of out-of-body transcendent experience where my I amness, my entire existence, was not just wrapped up in physical form. Mm -hmm. And I was able to feel that because I wasn't using my physical form to do anything. And it wasn't because I was trying to be super intense and super meditative. It was just, it's kind of what happened. And then I did notice when I moved, it ruined my experience. And I didn't want my experience to be ruined, so I didn't move. It wasn't hard. It wasn't this like... Okay, don't move. Your nose itches. Don't itch right. it. Better not itch. It was like all of that was, there was no effort in it. And so that made it easy. From the outside, it may have looked like, dude, how are you sitting so still? It's so much discipline. It was just easy. And it was really pleasant. Very, very pleasant. 
So <laughs> that was it was wonderful. <laughs> like, yeah. So mine, like the the moving is not voluntary. <laughs> and I remember waiting for mine to kick in. So Kaylee's next to me, and. She's like deep into it and she does like this head like thrashing thing or her like arms will be going all over the place. I'm like, man, how do you do that? Like, where are you right now that that comes out? Like, what does that feel like to experience that? And so I have always had like a physical inhibition of like, I remember being a small child. I was not wiggly. I didn't move around a lot. I didn't jump around or play ecstatically or anything. It was very quiet. I didn't draw a lot of attention to myself, so my body's always been kind of locked down. I was a professional dancer for 13 years, and I could not improvise. Like, I couldn't just, like, sometimes that we'd be at a show, and they're like, okay, well, someone couldn't show up, so we need to fill the slot. Can you just go out there and improv for five minutes? I'm like, literally, I cannot. They're like, oh, no, it's fine. Just go, just make something up. I'm like, you don't understand. I am incapable. There's something missing. I cannot just let my body move. Like, I realized that it's like I never felt safe moving in that way. And so I've never been able to just move to move. I've never danced because I, my body needed to move. I don't like going out dancing. And people are like, oh, you must really love to dance because you're a dancer. I'm like, no, I actually really don't like dancing. <laughs> <laughs> I've always had to have like a, a choreographed plan and to know it was really weird. And that was part of the meditation for me. Um, my blind spot was worrying my brain is filled with all of these questions and like pinpoint focuses on how people perceive me and I was like that seems pretty basic like I've done so much work like how did I miss this this seems like such a like oh what does that person think of me type thing it seems really um shallow kind of sure. and so I'm like how did I don't understand how like I I get that this is my blind spot and the meditation went through and every time a thought like that popped into my head, even during the meditation, they were coming through. Like, am I wiggling too much? Am I being too disruptive? What is my foot doing? Like all of these filters. Does it look silly? Does it does that, do I look silly? Am I safe? And like all of these other things where I'm like, shut up. <laughs> and like every time one of those thoughts would come through, the medicine would be like, there's one, there's one, there's one. I'm like, shit, they're everywhere. It is like packed. My brain is filled with this filter, this blind spot thing, and went through, the meditation went through every area of my life that I'm inhibited because of that blind spot. They're like, and okay, so we'll get into later the philosophical insights of ayahuasca being a she, like this definitely a spiritual energy of like this guide this plant is guiding you through this thing and and having these conversations with you it was just kind of like how you talk to god and it's just your own voice so it was you tapping into your higher self essentially but like so she's showing me like this is why you don't paint because i'm an artist and i haven't created anything in a while i don't put stuff out there i don't like i don't sell my stuff i've had people like hey i want to buy some of your stuff i'm like no like, I am so inhibited because of this, how, how people perceive me. Like, if I start creating and it's rejected, or if I do this and it looks stupid, or I'm like, oh my gosh, how did this escape me for 38 years? Especially and, with all the work you've done. I know. And that's why I was kind of mad. I'm like, okay, I thank you very much for this acknowledgement. That's exactly what I asked for. I'm like, if I have blind spots that are keeping me from growing, and she's like, the plant... She's like, you cannot become any more powerful. You cannot keep growing until you take care of this blind spot. I'm like, I see exactly why, because it is affecting everything. She's like, this is why you don't create. And so we're talking about being creators in our own right and in our own power and being created in his image to be creators. And she was using my art as an example, but I got the underlying message. Like, this is why you don't create. This is why you don't have that power, because you're worried about what you'll make. And I was like, holy crap, that's super deep. And I'm like way out of it and I'm wiggling all over the place. And I think that for me, the purging was the wiggling because my body has been so locked down for so, so long to just let her wiggle and be like, not worry if she looks stupid. It was definitely part of the exercise for me. Wiggling was the exercise and going through all of these areas of, of my life. Like, this is why you're not writing. Like I love writing and I'm, kind of good at writing, but I won't 
write anything. I have these books that have been in my body for years. Since I was 14, I have like a, a book that I want to write. And I'm like, no, I just, I'm afraid to start. And I feel like I'm just procrastinating or lazy or something like that. But there's like this petrifying fear of how it'll be perceived. And I'm like, okay, so thank you. <laughs> Got the message, but can you explain to me why I haven't been able to see this? Because again, it feels like such a basic, shallow thing that I would have been one of the first things that I would have done. And how did this even happen? And um, she explained that it was kind of a self-preservation defense mechanism. And so not drawing attention to myself as a child and kind of uh, needing to gauge, like, is this person upset with me? Are they looking at me or are they looking at my brother? Like, who's in trouble right now? And do I need to, like, shrink back? Like, so more gauging how people perceive me to make sure that I'm safe. I also have a history of sexual abuse and stuff like that. So, like, going into a room and, like, is that person attracted to me? I'm like, why do I feel like that? Because I don't want anything from them. I don't want to be, like... The center of attention or like all eyes on me I'm genuinely not that type of person so I'm like well why do those thoughts always happen and it is a again that self-preservation of like okay so is that person attracted to me do I need to worry am I safe am I gonna have to field some weird energy or comments am I gonna have to deal with anything and so it is this constant vigilance of making sure that my physical self is safe I'm like oh that is so heartbreaking <laughs> that is so sad and it's not anything that I ever would have because it was such a part of myself for so long since childhood that it was just how I operated. So it didn't seem out of place or weird. It's just, it's just how a brain works. And uh, it's not. <laughs> and, so, <laughs> and so I'm like, well, she's like, so you can't get any more powerful until this is gone. I'm like, well, I'm done with it. I didn't know that it was there. I don't want to keep it. Can you just kind of take it? And for the most part, she did. Like, it's gone. There's some habitual energies and some, or habitual, like, Responses yeah, ver to yeah, things. verbal tics or yeah, the neural pathways. I think there is a apps. It's we talked about the snowfall analogy. Yeah. So part of it is is you're writing new neural pathways now. Mm -hmm. So it's like I'm free to be a different person, but the vigilance to actually become that different person yep. because do the work. Yeah, because habits can still kick in. Yeah, because you caught me the day after or the. No, it was the day where I was explaining this to you. And I'm like, I know that sounds kind of crazy, blah, 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 blah. And you're like, you just don't worry about what I think. I'm like, oh, shoot. <laughs> and some of that is trying to, some people aren't ready to hear some of the stuff that I <laughs> went through. You are not one of those people. So you are, you would be safe to talk to about those things without the caveat or the precursor or the like, hey, I know this is kind of crazy. But yeah, so those types of verbal tics, as you call them. I'll still have to like, oh, there it is. But, oh man, it was so good. And it was such a beautiful, she was very gentle and very, like she's not like a sissy or like um, super coddling, but she was very, it was very peaceful energy. And I do believe from some of the stories that we've heard from other people, she can be super blunt and kind of like have an attitude. And I do think it's how you enter into it and how you respond and to be clear, when you say she, you're not talking about our facilitator. Right. You're talking about ayahuasca. Yeah. I did say. Yeah, I know. I'm okay. just, it's been a while since you said that. Yeah, and I'm, people have asked, like, well, so do you mean the lady that was doing it? I'm like, no, when I say she, it is the plant. <laughs> <laughs> We're like bros now, so. So, and that is, I think there is, you know, that's in the, we had these different sections of what we could talk about, and that's kind of on the philosophical side the energy so the personification of energies is a <laughs> it's an age-old practice for humans humans love you know, personifying everything yeah we you know we name our trucks and we call ships her and we you know i just got uh, a new plant i named it margo right so. margo <laughs> and felipe <laughs> yes. um so like the personification of energy uh, logic is an energy and we've called him jesus Mm -hmm. Right. Energy is a thing, and we've called it spirit. Right. Right. Consciousness, and we've called father. Like, um, and I would say ayahuasca being, I think it's primary energy, if I could use a different word other than ayahuasca by name, 
uh, would be a helper or Sherpa. Uh, yeah, a Sherpa, a guide. Yeah, um, definitely a guide. And blunt, yes, but not forceful. Definitely not. Um, you know, and so I think personifying ayahuasca. And here's the thing: when enough, so humans are God in the flesh. We are, have divine consciousness. And for a couple thousand years now, humans have been using this plant to engage with spiritual growth. And for a couple thousand years now, this energy, this very specific plant, when you think of ayahuasca, you are touching this energy that tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, maybe millions now of humans have touched the energy of ayahuasca. And that energy, by all those creative entities known as humans, has been creating this ball of energy known as ayahuasca that absolutely, at this point, it is a personified energy. It's a thing that that helper, that plant, has a personality, if you will. How that works mechanically was is, and not to say that it only exists because humans thought of it too. Ayahuasca was a plant before humans... And I think that that plants have spiritual energy and consciousness of a different kind anyway. We just don't, we don't believe in that anymore. Yeah, we've just totally mechanized everything. I think we're talking to a bunch of Western minds for the most part. And so (laughs) being able to kind of like, yeah, you know what? We say so many things, spiritually speaking, that we're kind of like, in the back of our minds, there's like, well, I mean, it's kind of silly, right? It's, it's a plant lady. It's a plant. I don't know. And I think if we just pause and think like, no, it's actually not silly. It's very mechanically sound. It's just a deeper type of mechanics than just, you know, it just <laughs> the, element, you know the ta- periodic table of elements. Like, mm-hmm. um, we understand the nuance of how so many things work, but spiritually speaking, it, it definitely feels frou-frou because we don't pause and think about it. So that is my case for ayahuasca absolutely has an energy, absolutely has a personification. And you did see, she like, her personified energy, like she showed herself to you briefly. Yeah, in my second session. So my first session, I got everything that I had gone, the reasons why I went. Mm-hmm. I wanted, I had primary and a secondary. I got both of them in the first session. Well, yeah, so doing the, it best. <laughs> right. So the second session, I was like, well, what do I want? Now and it was only like right when we were starting to do the prep work for it, I had this the word like receive. Hmm. So essentially, I kind of almost immediately knew like I had came with my hands full, and I wanted to let it go. I wanted my hands to be empty, and I got that. And then it was almost like oh, I guess the natural thing at that point would be to get something else given. You know, I'm going to take this from you so I can give this to you. Mm-hmm. And so ayahuasca showed up. And it wasn't in like full, perfect vision human form. It was just, it was an energetic outline of a human type figure with two arms and a head and a body. And she kind of like popped up on the, like almost like my if my vision was a TV screen, it was like from the bottom right of the screen. <laughs> and it was literally just like, and my message for that night, just receive, receive, receive. And so Ayahuasca was kind of popped and was like, you ready to have some fun? And I was like, yeah. She's like, all right, let's do this. And then she disappeared. Like, she went back down, like, below the screen. And then over the next five hours, my body experienced some seismic shifts energetically to where literally, just an example, my, my I've always walked with my right leg and my right hip, kind of my right foot, kind of duck-footed out to the right. Mm-hmm. And if I ever tried to correct it or ever I tried to, like, force my foot to go straight, it would hurt my hip. And while I am still have to work on it muscularly, walking straight like normal and trying to correct that doesn't hurt. Like that, that is gone. My neck has had some serious issues over the last 12 years. And I know that a lot of work was done there. I, I won't get into, I think maybe we should do an episode for each of our experiences. Like do drill down into your experience more and what you learned and actually turn it into a little bit of a, a teaching, if you will. And then I could do one for mine. And so I, I'll save some of those details about what happened for my experiences. Yeah, because we're already right. like 45 minutes in. We're definitely, yeah, this is already a full episode. So I think it's been good. I think it's <laughs> a good check-in. Maybe we can drill down into the into the insights we had. I think they're useful. 
Yeah. Um, and not only that, for our own sake of being able to verbally process yet again, like what we experienced and those aha moments that come from uh, those beautiful experiences. So I think we've touched a lot of good stuff. Do you have any kind of final parting words before we... I definitely recommend it with that caveat of like, do it if you feel led, but I can't imagine this not being amazing for anybody. Like, because it gives you exactly what you need specifically. Mm -hmm. So it's like, well, I don't need to discover my blind spots. I don't care, or I don't have any. Um, That's why they're blind spots. They'll get you. Right. But They're blind for a reason. Yeah. So not like saying, oh, I want an experience like Kat or Austin had, but like, it is whatever you need. And everybody needs something. So I can't imagine it not being a beautiful experience. I mean, some of them are hard. Like, again, we had people next to us or two people over that were like having well, a rough night. But yeah. that's, oh, that was the other thing. Um, sorry. <laughs> that I wanted to touch on in the philosophical thing is that she definitely, this is why, like, in my theory, it's really just tapping into a, a higher part of yourself is that this meditation comes to you in a language that you are ready to receive and that you understand. So for me, like the universe and source and all of these other things that I are part of my common belief system and lingo and all that other stuff is how it was presented to me. But like two people down, there was um, a very Christian person that was dealing with deliverance from demons and so it comes to you wherever you're at in life whatever your beliefs are it uses that filter to speak to you uh so it's not like oh but i'm a christian and i'm going to be forced to deal with like it's krishna krishna yeah, <laughs> yeah. some elephant's going to come to you and right no. yeah it's not ayahuasca is not there to convert you to a religion definitely not <laughs> definitely not um And it's also not trying to talk you out of any belief Mm -hmm. system that you have. It's like, okay, here's where you're at. Let's, through those filters, I can work with that. So if personal growth is a stairway, as you know, a spiral staircase, ayahuasca is there to help you either push you down the stairs and help you either get to the, get past that next step. If you are stuck, I think a lot of people go when they're stuck. Mm -hmm. And so that purging happens and that like, holy shit, ayahuasca kicked my ass. Like, yeah, because you needed it. And then in other places, it's, hey, you've been going up these stairs really well, but you realize, like, the banister is filthy, and we need to clean it off. That's that blind spot. Or I don't know what kind right, of analogy. Yeah. Like, um, There's something greasy on this step, and you're going to... Right. Or you skipped that step way down there, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, it's missing out of your life. That energy is incomplete. So I think it gives you what you need. I think you do play a part in kind of selecting why you're there. Um, if you know you need to deal with daddy issues, but you also need to deal with financial issues, you get, uh, and I like Linnell said, it's kind of like an 80-20. Like it's 80% ayahuasca, but it's 20% you. Yeah, it's 20% the intention that you go into and 80% what ayahuasca knows you need, which I'm grateful for because again, blind spot. And I did purge the first night and it was because I had to get rid of that blind spot. I was like, I don't want this anymore. So I'm like, okay, here it comes. So that was fun. Um. (laughs) Right. I think to wrap up for me, I, again, would recommend, I think everyone should do ayahuasca. I do too. When they're ready. I think if, if we would utilize all of the tools available to us for spiritual growth, for spiritual progression and insight and mental health and all of that emotional work that so many people need just watch the news the world needs healing i don't believe that ayahuasca would would lead somebody to yep you should kill all white people yep yeah for sure that that other race over there or that other nation over there you should go to war like i'm pretty sure that it (laughs) it deals with you and it's not there to make a commentary on anybody else's stuff. Mm-hmm. It is there for you to deal with your stuff. And what would happen if we had a world full of people who had dealt with their stuff? There is that saying, it's like the new agey woo-woo saying that like the best thing I can do for you is work on me. But it's legit. And so for sure, if it was a world yeah. of people that were more self-aware and dealing with their deep, dark stuff that... And some of this stuff, you don't know where to start. That's where I was at. I'm like, I don't know how to go beyond where I'm at. I don't know what's holding me back. 
I don't know where to begin with that. And so having an assistant, having a guide through those things, oh my gosh, is so valuable. I mm-hmm. have it. Gold star. Yeah. Butter pillars. You I may... have a butter pillar story for next one. Yeah, next for your time. episode? Legitimate. I was a little bit... Like even wiggling and like... I was a little... I'm like, are you serious right now? Am I a caterpillar right now? Is this what we're doing? <laughs> yes. It was. I will explain all of it. And I kind of had my own version of like how I was laying and then versus by the end of my second session with my arms fully out and everything like that. Like I spread my wings. I think that she did that for us because we talked about the butter right. pillar. Like, like it is butter pillar. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> she was showing off. I love it. <laughs> so, so until good. the next episode, thanks for listening. Um, hope you guys are enjoying the new direction of the podcast. Hope you're enjoying the new site and uh we are uh looking at doing the podcast full-time together (gasps) so um we're processing how how to get there we have some other uh quite a few uh episodes and stuff we want to do and um yeah i think it's exciting what's coming we if we've learned anything from ayahuasca it's to just go with the flow if i learned anything is just to see what happens so following intuition and um loving every minute of it hopefully you guys are enjoying it uh if you would consider donating would highly appreciate it and um i'm very curious if uh what part nac will play uh in the financial future or a relational future or who we're going to meet and what kind of uh successes or whatever this would have i enjoy doing these episodes and um yeah Love you guys. Thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing these things with your friends. And uh, hit us up on the Facebook group if you have anything you want us to discuss. Any questions, any uh, disagreements or clarifications or whatever. Uh, That is where those chats happen. All right. For now, we will say see you later. And on the next time, we will talk about our personal ayahuasca experiences. See ya. Bye.